Yo, praise God. Thank you, Pastor Hyden. I'm so grateful and honored. It is a truly a privilege to be here, to be able to share God's word. So thank you, Pastor Hyden. I want to thank God for this opportunity as well. Uh, my name is George Hernandez. I'm the youth director here at Walk Church, and I just see God move. I don't know if you're pumped, but I am. God is at work. He, he, he doesn't stop working, and we're, we're able to tell that, that he hasn't. People are taking next steps. So praise God for these baptisms. I want to thank the Lord for that. Like these people preach their best sermon, as Pastor Dean says. They proclaim to the world, to the watching world, that they're following Jesus. And that they're walking in freedom. They obeyed God and they took their next step. And we're all in the journey and we have to trust the process. So with that being said, Let's go ahead and jump in this word. Um, my sermon for today, it's called just that. Trust the process. God has us in the process. God's hand is moving behind the scene. He's revealing himself to us. He's calling us. He's drawing us. He's redeeming us. He's saving us. He's rede redirecting us. He's using us. He's sanctifying us through the process. In order for us to trust the process, we have to honor the process. And I just want to remind us of, of, of these two verses that is found in Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. It says just that, to trust him and to honor the process. God says in chapter three, verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. So we got to trust God through the process. He's not telling us to understand. He's telling us first to trust him. Verse 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. So in order to trust the process, we also have to honor the process. The way that we honor the process, we acknowledge God in everything that we do. Let me tell you something. It's, it, it would be one of the healthiest things for us to do as believers to trust him so much that we acknowledge him in all of our ways. Wow, right? Like, 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 like that is the healthiest thing that we can do is to ask him, God, what do you have to say about this? Lord, what does your word have to say? Lord, can you help me at this moment? God, can you guide my steps? Can you give me wisdom right now just to acknowledge him? So in order for us to trust the process, we have to trust God. We trust God. We honor him while in the process. And the way that we honor him is that we obey him in the process. Biblical obedience to God is Hearing, trusting, submitting, surrendering to God in his word. The story of Ruth is a real historical redemptive love story with three main characters who we see trusting, honoring, and obeying God through the process. Like any real life story of God's redemption, there's always a real obstacle that gets in the way. Today, we'll look at Boaz, 
how he's faced with an obstacle in the process of redemption for Ruth. The woman who he has drawn to and he ultimately wants to marry. So with that intro, let me go ahead and pray for us and we'll get started. God, I just, I just want to honor you at this time. I want to give you the praise and the glory. I, I, I pray that you would get all the glory, that you would manifest yourself in the way that you know how, that you would meet us exactly where we're at. Use this word, transform us for your glory. May I decrease you increase in Jesus' name. Amen. Trust the process. Pastor Mike and Pastor Ryan did a, a, a great job in, in chapter three. I encourage you to go back and rewatch those or just to go back if you haven't watched them, log on. Now, I want to do a quick recap though on, on just chapter three, real quick, where Ruth and Boaz, they find themselves in the tr threshing floor. Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, she's given some risky counsel in chapter three. Uh, it really is risky. She's like, I, I need, I, look, this is the time for you to go find Boaz in the middle of the night. But before you do, look, every time that you encounter Boaz, and I'm just doing an interpret, inter interpretation of what, what I think, I'm imagining what, Naomi is telling, telling Ruth, every time that, that you encounter Boaz, you're looking a little dusty. You, you have your work clothes on. You're, you're, you're smelling kind of, kind of funny. So, so what I need you to do is I need you to wash up. I need you to put some perfume on. And you know what? Grab that cloak. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one makes your dark skin pop. You, you looking beautiful with your Moabite self. So, so now go. So, so now Ruth goes, she obeys her mother-in-law and she goes and she encounters Boaz in the middle of the night. And like Pastor Mike said, there she shoots her shot. In the middle of the night while he's sleeping, she uncovers his feet and proposes marriage to him. What, what boldness. But Boaz, being the wise, godly man, he wants to trust, honor, and obey God's process. Boaz lets her know that he's filling her. He, wants to, he lets her know that, that he wants to help her out. But he knows of a closer redeemer who has the rights to redeem before he ever can. Boaz gives Ruth his word and says he's going to settle this immediately. Ruth 3 verse 12 and 13 says this. And now it is true. This is Boaz talking, talking to, to, to Ruth. And now this is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight. And in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. So ultimately, he's like, look, there's this guy that's closer. And he's, if, he, if, he, if he does it, like, good, he's, he's going to do it. 
But if he's, but he's, if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, in other words, as God is my witness, I will redeem you. Boaz, a man of integrity, was generous with his wisdom, like Pastor Ryan said last week. He prevented any misunderstanding or any scandals, and he censored off discreetly. Censored out back to Naomi, but not empty-handed, with a whole bunch of barley. <laughs> so, so Boaz was going to do the right thing. Not, not, not tomorrow, not next week, not a year from now, but today. Boaz is, is driven to do the right thing. So much so that Naomi knows this about him. Naomi said to Ruth, this is the last verse in chapter three. Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. In other, in other words, wait until this all plays out. Just trust the process. But this is what I do know, Naomi said. For this man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Today. That leads to my first point. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Let's go to chapter four, verse one. It says, now Boaz had gone up to the gate and he sat there. I want to highlight that, those, just those two words, now Boaz. See, God wants us to have right now obedience. Boaz has this urgent obedience, this right now obedience. See, delayed obedience to God is indeed disobedience. Boaz is committed to do the right thing now. I want to ask you, what's the right thing that God is telling you to do. What is that? What is that one thing? Think about it. Because sometimes our emotions leads us to do the wrong thing. Amen. And I feel like Boaz, if he was led with this with a, a, a wrong emotion, while Naomi is perfumed up looking good, smelling good in the middle of the night and finds him sleeping and he uncovers him. There's a lot that can happen. I don't know if you're living in sexual sin. I don't know if you're, if you moved in with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, like, like, like this is not the right step for you to take as a Christian. This is risky business just to be around that, that temptation. But see, Boaz was not driven by lust. Boaz wasn't driven by a, a, just this spirit of lust. He actually has this, this, this upward call. He has a godly call. Come on, somebody. Boaz is in an upward call. He wants to live above reproach. He wants to do the right thing. Today, he's going up to the city's gate. He's determined to settle the matter today. 
See, the city's gate was a place where trade and business would take place. And also, it would serve as a courthouse where you would what you resolve problems. So I can imagine Boaz rising up. He's ready to do the right thing, but I can imagine him being a little bit nervous, you know, but, 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 but he's renewing his mind and he's saying, look, I'm going to trust the process. Like, like Pastor Hyden said several weeks ago, you got to have optimistic faith. You got to have that hopeful faith, that confident faith, that no matter what, you trust God that he's going to work things out for, for your good. So, so, so Boaz is in an upward call and he wants to do the right thing. Boaz gets to the gate and he sits down. And I want to highlight in that same verse one where it says, and behold, the Redeemer of who Boaz had spoken, came by. See, this word, and behold, this is the author's way of letting us know the hand of God is at play. This is the, the God's providence playing his part. It's not a coincidence that Boaz is going up to the city's gate, whereas the, 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 the part of the city that is the most busiest. It's not a coincidence that he sees the right person that he needs to talk to. The near Kingsman Redeemer. God is bringing the right people as Boaz is doing the right thing. He's working everything out for their good. I want to share with you a quick little story of God's providence in my life. I can remember sitting in the hospital bed as I turned 26 in 2010, January 22nd. I had lost both my legs due to a car explosion. I'm a burn survivor, double a leg amputee above the knee. And I remember sitting in the hospital bed on my birthday while my family and friends are doing a fundraiser for my legs. But I had this optimistic faith that one day I was going to walk. I just had this faith that, that God was going to take care of me. And you know what God did? His, his providential hand brought the right people together. This, this, this doctor out in Munster, Indiana heard my story. And he was moved that he blessed me with my first pair of legs. That's God's providential hand at work. He's bringing the right people so his good, his good, his good work can play into, in, in, into people's lives. Ultimately, he's a good God that wants good for us. See, we have a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. His providential favor is at work in Boaz's life. So Boaz said, turn aside, and he calls him friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and he sat down. The author, who is inspired by the Holy Spirit, 
is very intentional in not giving the family member of Boaz's name. The author here in the ESV translation is calling him friend. Does Boaz know his family member's name? Absolutely. This is not a mistake that we don't know his name. This Mr. So-and-so will have no role in the advancement of God's kingdom. Let's keep moving. Verse two. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and he said, sit down here. So he, they, they sat down. Boaz is doing the right thing and he's finding the right people. God's grace and favor is all over Boaz. He grabs his relatives, his relative, and 10 other folks. There was no phone call, no text message, no email to set up this appointment. Nope. This is God setting the right people up. He's, 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 he's setting the right people up. I think that practically we can pray for divine appointments, y'all, because God is at work. If we include him in all of our ways, in, in, in trusting him in the process, he's going to bring the right people. He's going to bring the right relationship, the right business per person that you need to partner up. He's going to bring the right people together. Now, Boaz is getting down to business, formal and legal. Let's keep going. Verse three and verse four says this. Then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belongs to a, a relative Amilelech. You know, cuz, you know, fam, you know the bro. <laughs> you know, he, he's family, Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know for there is no one beside you to redeem it. And I come after you. He's trusting the process. He wants to do the right thing. This conversation starts with a real estate transaction. The land of Naomi, the relative of Millilech, his wife has this land for sale. Real estate transactions back then are not as we know real estate transactions to be today. Boaz lays out before Mr. So-and-so and the 10 elders. He says, look, Mr. So-and-so, you have the right to redeem this land. But, but, but if, you, if, if you don't want to do it, let me know because I want to redeem it. Boaz is doing the right thing by honoring the system God put in place found in Leviticus 25. We'll just read just a few verses regarding this redemption for property found in, in this chapter of Leviticus. It says this, 
the land is not to be permanently sowed because it's mine. God is saying, look, this is my land. This ain't yours. This belongs to me. And you are only aliens and temporary residents of my land. You are, you are to allow the redemption of any land you occupy. If your brother becomes destitute, meaning poor, and sells part of his property, his nearest relative may come and redeem what his brother has sowed. So remember that Naomi and Ruth, they're in serious need. They're facing hard times. They're poor. Boaz is pointing this out, that someone needs to help this situation, that someone needs to redeem this land. And it has to be a close relative, a kingsman redeemer who has the obligation, according to God's law, found in Leviticus 25, to redeem a relative who's, who's in serious need, serious financial need. See, I see Boaz's character here. He's doing the right thing by getting the right people involved and saying the right words. He's being honest and clear. He gets Mr. So-and-so and the 10 elders, and he lets Mr. So-and-so know, know what's going on with Naomi's property. Boaz makes sure he lets everyone know Mr. So-and-so and everyone that's in, involved, these 10 people and whoever is around that, that this Mr. So-and-so has first dibs, that he has an obligation to redeem this land. Boaz is honest. He's letting everyone present know he would like to redeem the land if Mr. So-and-so doesn't want to do it. He's saying, look, I'll do it if he doesn't want to. We can learn from Boaz's character here. I just want to highlight a couple things that are practical that Boaz is doing here. Look, do the right thing today. Be honest with your intentions. Let people know what you truly want. Obey God's word. Honor and follow the law of the land. Don't cheat others. Don't trick others. Be open, honest, and proper with your dealings. See, this reputation that is attached to Boaz should be attached to us as Christians. To live with integrity will show the world that we're trusting God in the process. I wanna share with you, um, I, I just bought some FCA material for some coaches. Um, I, I also work part-time for FCA, this awesome ministry. Um, I, I paid close to $200 for this material. It's not much, but you know, it's 200 bucks. The company sends me an email letting me know that, that the billing process had changed. See, months before um, this ever happened, 
they would just go into my org, grab the money, and, and they would get paid. But now the process changed. So they didn't get paid yet, and I didn't pay them. So he sends me an email with the invoice, but he honored and he trusted me that he sent the material. And it, it, it arrived at home, and I called him up. We, we, we got on the phone call, and I just thanked him. I said, I said, thank you for trusting me and, and sending that material to me before I even paid you. Like, I, I don't know what you call that. I, I, I was trying to find the word. And I said, thank you for sending it on, on just good faith. And he said this, I sent it on an honor system. And, and, and then he says this to me, if I can't trust my brother in Christ, who can I trust? Pretty powerful. See, honor system and trusting the process is where Boaz is in this arrangement. Where he wants to honor the process. He wants to do the right thing. He found the right people and he's speaking the right words with honesty. But here comes the question. What is Mr. So-and-so going to say? And he says this, I will redeem it. Boaz presents this situation to Mr. So-and-so in a very favorable way, in an honest light. But Boaz is not done speaking. Let's keep going. Verse five. And then Boaz says, the day that you buy the field from the, from, from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite the widow of the dead in order to perpetuate, meaning to keep alive the name of the dead in his inheritance. It leads to my second point. Give selflessly. Give selflessly. Let me take, let me take a, a quick drink. Boaz continues to speak completely open and honest, letting Mr. So-and-so know that by buying this field, he would have the obligation to marry Ruth and to one day raise up a son and to continue the legacy. By doing so, he would keep the name of the family alive. See, redeeming the land and redeeming the widow are connected in this culture. They go hand in hand. This is an obligation to the nearest kingsman redeemer, a cultural law God has put in place for his people that needs to be honored and obeyed. This might sound super weird to us in our culture, but for the people of Israel, they were not to let land pass from their family, nor were they allowed a family name to die out. This is serious stuff for, for God's people. This was the custom known in their culture as the liberate marriage found in Deuteronomy 25, verse 5 and 6. You, you can go there in your own time and you can find that. 
that you, he needed to honor this law, this cultural law. He needed to obey this, this near kingsman redeemer. This is all about family legacy and multiplying God's people. Ultimately, bringing the birth of the Messiah. So important. Now that everything is out in the open and Mr. So-and-so knows his obligations that he must meet, this is what the this is this is what he says in verse six. The Redeemer said this. I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I am I impair my own inheritance. Take up my right of redemption yourself. He's saying, look, you do it, Boaz. I cannot redeem it. See, he counted the cost and it was too costly. It was too much for him to give. He could afford to purchase it. He he had he had the money to do so in the first place. But now that he heard that he needed to, to redeem and keep the family legacy going and to ultimately marry Ruth, it was too much. It was too much for him to do. Too much for him to, to keep this family legacy alive and to one day raise up a son. This is too much for him to pay the cost. This unnamed relative whose name we don't know in this culture, this Jewish culture is is seen ultimately as selfish. He has the opportunity to obey God. He has the opportunity to, 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 to be used by God, but the cost is too much for him. I just want to pause I want you to just think about this. Have you counted the cost about following Jesus? About, About his call, following his call. Have you counted the cost? I want you to count it. I want you to think about that. What is that? What is that costing you? Is it too much? I, I, I want you to think about that. And I want, you, I, I, want, I want to tell you this. Whatever that cost is, look, losing it all and gaining Christ is so much more. It's so much more. Count the cost. Count it. And know that following Christ is way more. That's the operative call. That's that's us obeying him. Living selflessly, living for Christ. The author shows us that we are not to think well of this near Kingsman Redeemer. That's why his name is not mentioned. He is unwilling to give for the good of others. This cost is too high for him to obey. See, he has the, ro- the responsibility to, to redeem. He has the res- resources to redeem. 
He's just not willing to redeem. Let's not be unwilling people to give for the benefit of others. A wise boxer once told me, it is better to give than to receive. Boaz is an example of a selfless giver. He has, he has this willingness to do good to others, even when good is costly. Boaz is a picture of Christ. See, Jesus is the greater Boaz. God is the greatest selfless giver. Jesus was willing to redeem. Jesus became a human to redeem his family. He didn't have to, but he chose to. And he obeyed his father and he trusted the process. Jesus was willing to pay the price of sin, the price of sin's guilt. He was willing to count the cost. He gave it all, all of it. So much so that he gave his life in that cross. He gave himself for you and I. He saved us. He paid for sin in death with all of it. With all of it. The God man redeeming his family, his people. Beautiful. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. Thank you for your redemptive power. Thank you for giving yourself so selflessly for me and for you. See, I want us, I, I, I want us, I, I, want, I want us to, 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 to have God wash us with, with his word. I, I just want to read some, some redemptive, loving truth in God's word. Look, look what Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his love to us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6, 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. John three sixteen. you guys know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that for whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Ephesians 1, 7, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. He is rich in mercy. He is rich in grace. We have redemptive power that's found in his blood. He paid the price. For you, look what 1 Corinthians 6.20 says. For you were bought with the price, so glorify God with your body. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God of God. Titus 2:14 says this, who gave himself for us to redeem us 
from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That's you and I. He, look, look what John 2.2 says. First John 2.2. He is the propitiation, meaning the atonement, the redemption for our sins. And not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the world. This call, this calls us right now to rejoice. Amen. I just want to give a hand clap to Jesus. This should be, this should be a rejoicing component for us to, to be so joyful in the Lord that he redeemed us, that he saved us, that he paid the price for our sin. Come on, that he redeemed us, that moves us, that he saved us, that he saved, that he paid it all. Sin is fully paid. Shame is fully paid. Regrets is paid in full. Our, our mistakes are, are paid in full. Our hurt, our anger paid in full with the blood of Jesus. That leads us to our third and last point. Rejoice in your salvation. Rejoice in your salvation. Verse seven says, now this was the custom in formal times in Israel concerning, concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So that when, so when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, he drew off his sandal. See, this is another cultural practice at this time. Taking off your sandal, taking off your Moses was, was, was a sign of closing the deal. I just want to give a shout out to all my realtors out there, to all my closers. Like, I can see you smiling, Pastor Dean. You know what I'm saying? That he took off the sandal. This was a receipt. This was a, a closing moment. A way of saying, walk in this land. It belongs to you. It's yours. Here's, here's, here's my sandal. This is your receipt. Walk on this land. It's yours. You redeem it. Verse 9. Let's keep going. And then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have brought from the hand of, that I have bought from the hand of Naomi, all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and to Malon and also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, 
I have bought to be my wife. The, to perpetuate, to keep alive the name of the dead in his, in his inheritance. That the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of the native place, meaning from Israel. You are witnesses this day, Boaz says. See, Boaz is making it public. This is what's going down right now, Boaz is saying. Redemption. Boaz is saving, regaining, paying a large debt. Freedom is taking place. Legacy is taking place. Legacy is going to continue. Boaz is not looking for a good time. No, he's not. Boaz is looking for legacy. Boaz is like, yo, right now, everybody that's around, rejoice with me. All the witnesses, because Naomi, Elimelech, Tilion, Malon, and Ruth, I got you. Let's keep this thing going for the glory of God. Your name will live on. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to do this. And I did. What a redeemer. When all the people who were there at the gate and the elders said this. This is what, what verse 11. We about to finish up. Part of verse 11 says this. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said this. We are witnesses. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness right now? Come on, y'all. Right now, exactly where you're at. I don't know where you're sitting up, where you're sitting right now, where you're watching this sermon. But can I get a witness for everything that God has done? All the good that God has done for your life. Can you just stand up? And can you just stand up and give a witness that God has redeemed you? That God has been good to you. That God has not for, for, forgotten you. Come on. That God said, look, I took my sandal off. I paid the price. I redeemed you. We're walking in new land. Come on. New Jerusalem with streets of gold. Come on, somebody. I got, I got eternity waiting for you. Come on. I'm excited right now. Can I get a witness, somebody? That God has saved his people. That God has redeemed his people. We have a good God that, want good, that wants good for us. And guess what? We got to rise up and be witnesses for Christ. There's people that need to be saved. This good news has to go on and beyond uh, from, from ourselves. We got to share this good news. Yo, yo, student, it's time to be bold for your faith. Student, this is not the time for you to be unashamed. People of God, be a witness for Christ. Rejoice in your salvation. Rejoice in your salvation. Just to close up, Ruth's redemption has nothing to do with who she is, but everything to do with who Boaz is. 
and what Boaz wants to accomplish. See, it's not about who you are, where you've been, what you have done, what you have committed. It's about what Jesus did. It's about what Jesus wants to do with your life. It's what Jesus wants to accomplish in and through you. See, don't let this process push you away from his presence. He's redeemed you. He has made you perfect. You are in right standing before the Father because of the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. And right now, yes, we're going through a process. He is sanctifying us. He's sanctifying us in this process. And we have to trust the process. And we have to surrender to his goodness. Let me go ahead and pray for us. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you're a God who is seeking and saving the lost. Right now, at this very moment, that's what you're doing. That your Holy Spirit is at work to reveal to the heart of man how wicked they are, how sinful they are, and for them to, 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 to have this reality that they need a Savior. So God, I pray right now, God, that you continue to save. There's right now people that, that, that you're saving right now. There's people right now, God, that you're just unveiling, that you're taking the scales out of their eyes. And, and the gospel is becoming so clear to them that they're, they're seeing you as Savior, as Lord, that by your sacrificial work on that cross, you paid for their sin. That you loved them so much that you, you died for, their, for, for them. Their, their, their personal sin. That you paid it in full. God, I pray that the gospel would go forth. And that it would be clear that you would continue to say. And I, I pray that you would use those same people right now that you're, you're saving right now to be a testimony that your kingdom is growing and rising, that there more people are going to heaven right now. And God, I, I pray this prayer, this next prayer for the believer. God, that you would empower us to do the right thing. Today and tomorrow and, and for the rest of our lives to follow you, to live selflessly, God, to live for you and to rejoice in our salvation for us to be a witness for you by your power in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to thank the Lord for this opportunity. Be blessed.